Welcome to the Daybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Nizam, and together we'll tune into stories, lessons, and insights from everyday individuals on how they've navigated major crossroads in their lives. My goal is to inspire you with proof of what's possible and how to thrive when the tides of change come knocking, because they almost always do. Lately, I've been talking to a number of individuals who are caretakers to their aging parents. It can become an all-consuming responsibility. I myself have parents who have slowed down significantly and need a lot of care. My plans, my responsibilities revolve around their needs, and I often deprioritize myself and then occasionally become resentful of them. These times, these responsibilities, while physically and emotionally exhausting can also be moments to reflect on who you are, where you're going, and what you need for yourself to appreciate the present and to live a fulfilling future. And so today I'm talking to my friend Krishlani Simon, who I'm incredibly proud of just because she's taken the bull by the horns and faced the need for change head on. But she also took care of her parents for a period of time before losing them. And she has a few things to teach me and possibly you on navigating and appreciating this new phase of your life as a caretaker to aging parents. So join me in my conversation with Krishlani. Krishlani, thank you so much for joining today. So great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. And definitely, this is a first for me. So I'm excited and a bit nervous and a bit apprehensive, but we'll see how it goes. I appreciate the honesty, and I will say that this, the last couple of years, has Krishnani's had a lot of firsts, which is why mm. uh, I'm having her on the show. But before we get started with anything else, just so you know, Krishlani is a uh, another Sri Lankan, uh, so my, my first Sri Lankan on the show, and I, I, you know, I became friends with her not because she's part of the community, but actually because I met her through one of my close friends who is Chinese. I actually think I'm part Chinese because ninety percent of my friend group is Chinese. But then, who did she bring into my life? She brought in Krishlani. But let's get started because I think you've got a really interesting path that you've had over the last little while, and it's so relatable to a, a lot of people. You've been through an incredible amount of transformation over the last four years since I met you. You're this independent, self sufficient woman in her mid 40s, but you've always struggled with your confidence a bit and held back in a group. And over the last two years, you've embarked on this phase of discovery and growth because you've had such an enormous amount of change happen in your life. That has really made you question who you are, where you've come from, and what is possible for where you want to go. And that's the type of transition that I'm so fascinated in learning about and hope to inspire others with. So maybe you can give me a quick lay of the land and I will stop talking. Okay. Thank you so much. It's such a flattering, uh, flattering intro there. So hopefully I live up to that intro. And just so you know, she doesn't take compliments very well. She gets really That's true. Nervous. This is very true. One of the things I'm trying to work on. So there you go, right off the bat there. But yeah, no, I've known Miriam for a few years now. I think the first time <laughs> we met was... <laughs> and I have to say the story because it's just, I, I wasn't sure after this first meeting, but it actually was uh, that we were going to go to a concert and with this other mutual friend uh, that we have. And I was excited because it was Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson was the opening act and it was Maroon 5. And that I really couldn't really 
get all like, excited about. Sorry if uh, there are Maroon 5 fans out there, but I was all about Cl Kelly Clarkson. And then Mary tells me, oh yeah, there's a third person coming with us. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm always glad to meet new people. And Mary says, oh, but we have to go pick her up at work. Okay, we go to work and there's some disaster happening and she can't leave. So <laughs> she takes care of the work and then we head down. And all I hear is uh, Kelly Clarkson saying, thank you, Toronto, it's lovely. And I just turned to Mary, to our friend. I'm like, did we just miss Kelly Clarkson? Miriam here had work to do. And that was my first ever introduction to Miriam. And, uh, awesome first impressions. <laughs> it wasn't that great. We're sitting there and... These two are loving Maroon 5, and all I can think of is, wow, all I heard from Kelly Clarkson is, thank you so much, Charles. So yeah, that's how we met. This is but how the best friendships are made, though, all right? Just so you know. Suppose, but, but this was the introduction we had. And again, I wasn't sure if this is, this is a person I wanted to hang around with, but like me, first of all, I also don't have many Sri Lankan friends now that I think about it, actually. And this was a opportunity for me to, I guess, relate more with the community and to meet somebody who definitely came from a different path, meaning that she was very young and very successful. But at the time, definitely, I was on a different career path, a different hierarchy in my career. But this was great to see a person who's so young and so ambitious and so smart and talented. And I wanted to get to know the person more. So that's how we started hanging out. But in terms of my background, I grew up in a normal family. I was a oops child because there's a 15-year gap between myself and my brother. My parents, they were very attentive to me, supportive of me, helped me get my life started. I was able to buy the condo and so forth because of all of the sort of good foundations they laid out for me. So it, it was a normal upbringing, but it was a, I would say, a carefree upbringing until, I guess, life happened. And that was where you alluded to where you said that you've gone through some transformations. And one such life happening was when my mom fell sick and was in, in the ICU for seven and a half months. And throughout, she was very alert, very with it. So I don't know if that sort of makes things harder when you're going through some, something like this, but I think it did just because the person was sick, but still so sharp every single day in her thoughts. And that was jarring for me. That was truly life-changing because I think if I look back in my life, I can definitely say this was the moment where there's a before and an after. That was almost nine years now. And it has been. It's been a journey. I didn't think it would take that long, but that's how these things work out, I suppose. It's been a nine-year journey for me in terms of reevaluating things and getting to understand myself more and getting to know me more and just growing up. And that may seem funny. When I'm in my mid to late 40s saying about growing up, but really that's where I found myself at that point is just growing up a bit. I hope that gives you a little bit uh, of my background, like you had said. Absolutely. Now with people living till 80, you're midway through. So growing up midway through is totally fine. 
But just to give a little bit of context, your mom's illness it, and her time in hospital, it dragged out. Yeah, and, it was like seven and a half, actually. It was seven and a half months. Yeah. So that's emotionally exhausting. You're always waiting for bad news on one hand. Your life centers around being in a care facility all the time. It interrupts, number one, your own life, but then number two, it exposes you to grief and sadness and all of those other things. And then once your mom passed away, who I think you were incredibly close to, and I'd love for you to tell them about your daily calls, but then you all, your dad passed away shortly after. And so I actually, when, when we first started talking about it, I was like, Krishani, you were an orphan. And she's just, yeah, I was. But can you just maybe tell me about what did you miss once they were gone? Because you have this void, right? And, and I guess at that moment, you're just, like you said, you're you're just caught up in the day-to-day struggle of this unknown. You wake up in the morning, you're prepping yourself for, wow, what kind of call would I get today? What, what is her condition like? What is it going to be like? But still, life has to go on. And of course, I was going to work and so forth. But still, that's always there. And it was mentally draining, uh, physically exhausting for myself and my brother. And so when finally she did pass away i think there was a moment of where we felt that her suffering has ended she's at peace so we were happy about that but then that sadness hit me and really that i would say that was i I suppose my second exposure to this new type of feeling that i was exposed to after my mom fell sick and was in the icu was this grief. And that's something really that was alien to me before. And um, I didn't think I would react in that sort of way after because it didn't immediately happen. It actually took um, a bit of time. It took like a good, I would say like a month and a half or so where for that to set in. What happened was one day I was just sitting and I was thinking, Wow, I miss those daily calls I used to have with my mother. They weren't long calls. They weren't like one hour or anything like that we were chatting about. These were quick check-ins just to see how did your day go? What is up? What's in the news? Uh, Eat, have you eaten? Because that's every Sri Lankan parent's oh, concern. Yeah, exactly. And it would be. I would remember. These would be like around 9.30 at night. I would call, and that was one of the questions. Oh, have you eaten today? And at that moment, it would annoy me a little to hear this question because I'm like, oh my goodness, mother, I am a grown up. <laughs> I've eaten, it's 9.30. So I would always answer this in a snippy type of manner. But it hit me one day where I was sitting and I said, wow, I will never get that question from anybody. Who would ask, have you eaten? And actually now, to this day, I miss it. Where I'm like, that's gone forever now. And that's when you realize the grief. And I couldn't identify what I was feeling then. But through just talking to folks and just maybe just even exploring myself, that's what it came down to, is that I was in that grief stage now. So you were in the grief stage, but did you feel like there's a before and an after? And could your after self relate to your before self? that's a very good question. I don't think I've ever thought in that term. So thank you for that question. But I would say no. If I was being honest right now, yeah, I would say no. I I don't think I could relate to that before. 
because so much has changed and I've learned so much about myself. I think that before, I don't think I was living in that way, but they seem very superficial. It was just things came, whatever I dealt with it, moved on, had fun, moved on sort of thing. But now they're more real. And I don't know if I'm making sense in that or if I'm articulating that well, but that's what I would say. It was, I can't really relate to the before now when I look back. Yeah. I'm sure you'll think about that a little bit because, oh my God, if there's somebody who ruminates on crap, it's Kershalati, okay? So you've come out, you're in grief, you're feeling different. What are the changes you made that helped you get moving? It wasn't a quick thing. And I think what I discovered at that moment is how uh, powerful our thoughts can be. Like when people say that, right? Oh, I'm feeling in this way and I can't do something or I'm feeling this depression. I'm feeling this anxiety. I didn't really relate to that. I just didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, I don't know why these folks can't just pull themselves off the floor and just move on. Pull yourself by your bootstraps and go on until I felt it. And it was very powerful. I was very taken back by just how powerful these thoughts are. And can I just interrupt you for a quick second? Because you're like, people, why can't you just pull yourself up? I feel that way too. When I was first starting to manage people, I'm like, just get your act together. What are you complaining about? But that's actually partly a very Sri Lankan thing too, and probably an Asian Mm. thing. You Mm. don't stop to reflect Mm. how you're feeling. You're just Like we came from poor countries, you just survive and you don't complain and you don't talk about your feelings. So that's right. right? Yeah. Until something horrible happens and you are in an environment that facilitates and encourages that. True. This emotion of grief was alien to me. I was like, what is this? Because you're right. I mean, we do come from a culture and definitely I came from a family where feelings were not something we dwelled on or spoke out on. So it was something I needed to come to terms with and understand what I was going through and come back to what you were asking me. In terms of what I did is, I would say one of the things I discovered was my willpower. Certainly there were moments where I did submit to feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, but I realized, you know what, and that's where I was saying to you, where thoughts can be so powerful. And you do need to have a good support structure. And I have to say, my group of friends have been that support structure to me. And having that and just realizing, too, that, hey, something is not right with me was what made me take some steps to say, okay, Krish, you can fall into this or you can live life. Because, quite frankly, our parents left their homeland. And it wasn't an easy journey to come here. And it wasn't the land of milk and honey. They worked hard here. And that's something that was always with myself and my brother, even to this day, where we're like, you know what? We need to excel and we need to do better because they have given us this opportunity. And it's a great opportunity that we've had. And so there was a lot of that. It wasn't easy. It was a journey of where I had to gain some willpower definitely had my support, support from my friends, which was so critical. And the other thing was, I think, to be open. So I was open with a couple of friends just to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And they weren't judgmental. They maybe didn't understand as well. 
because I wouldn't have if someone said that to me as well. Um, But they were there and they were encouraging. And that helped to sort of, you know, come out of that place that I found myself in. And I think that's sort of part of the growth I feel I've been through. And definitely has made me a more empathetic person. That's another thing I think I've gained from this whole experience is just to know that each person has their struggle. And you may not understand that until you've been through something like this. You sort of see that how that struggle sometimes is very personal. And they really do need to take their own time in sort of coming out of it. But what you can do as a friend or a family member is to be there, to to show some compassion and understanding. And that's what I've gotten in my life from my friends, is that compassion. Now, I I don't want to take credit or anything like that, but I will say like... But you will. No, but I was doing this little experiment. I reached out to Krishlani and I was trying to figure out what was the best way to match coaches to people. And I Mm. called her up and... I guarantee you, if I had said this to her about a a couple of years before, she'd have been like, absolutely not. But I was like, hey, any chance you'd be open to meeting a coach? And you know what? She's just in that phase where she's, yes, I'll try stuff. And so you told me something really interesting about an insight and a question that your coach had asked you. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And then I'd also love to hear about all the other things you've said yes to since then and i i don't know if i've ever articulated this to you but i will now oh but i don't think it was a simple conversation we had at that moment i think about pairing me up with a coach and what do you think about this kind of thing but i'd like you to know that has actually had a very lasting and positive impact in this sort of transformation road that i find myself in So I don't know if I've ever said that to you, but it was actually a very critical point. And that's what I mean about having a group of good people around who, not to get too spiritual or anything, but I suppose people come into your life at certain moments when you don't even realize why they're there. But that was one of the moments, I think, where it did set me on a different path. So thank you for that. But yes, yeah, so <laughs> I just so you know, I'm really appreciative. So thank you and I'm really glad that it did work out. Mm-hmm. I would say there were two questions there yeah. actually yeah. that really but I, but I think they're intertwined. So this was during our first session. And she said, so let me just ask you some just a quick question. I'm like, oh, okay, how bad could these be? Honestly, these two questions are probably the most difficult questions I've ever had in my life. It's going to sound really nuts for folks to hear these questions and think that these were hard for me to answer, but they were. Where I was in my life, they really were. First one was, she said, what do you do for self-care? And right now I'm pausing because even now I'm just thinking back to that moment. And when she asked that, I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this question? What is the self-care she's talking about? And why do I not have an answer for this? Because truly, there was nothing. There really was nothing I was doing for my own self-care. And so it took me 30 seconds where it was just silence. And I still remember her asking, hello, 
And then I'm like, yes, I'm sorry, I'm here. And then I'm stumbling over words. And then I did, I, I, I said a few things. And, and really, as I was saying it, even I was like, oh my gosh, is this it for self-care? And then the other one was, she asked me, are you content? Not, are you happy? And this was another sort of thumper for me. I, I really didn't know how to answer that. And I think that's actually how I said that to her. I said to her, I, I really don't know how to answer that. And, and we moved on to other topics, but those two questions have always just stuck with me. It's, it's been about two years now since that conversation, but those two questions have always stuck with me. And in certain decisions I do now and certain experiences that I'm going after and so forth, those two questions are always on my mind. So that's the impact that 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 whole coach thing had. There were many other impacts, but right <laughs> off the bat, those were the two that really impacted me. Even as I listened to you, I'm like, oh, I got to stop and ask myself that. And I'll come back to hmm. your coach's questions. But what are you saying yes to these days? So with the self-care and the contentment, what I figured out through these coach is that when experiences come, when opportunities come, it's up to you to make a decision on. And what I worked with her on and am now actively doing is I say yes. So just this summer, there was a mutual friend we have, Miriam, who just asked me, you were talking about this, this part of Canada and going on a trip and never being there. Do you want to take that trip? And really, this person, I know them, I like them, and so forth. But this was something before I would have been like, oh, but I don't know the person for that long. Or I haven't really experienced like a trip with the person. Uh, I, I don't know, like too much would have been thought. And this time I said, yeah, that's right. I haven't experienced this part of Canada. I've always wanted to. And I said, yes. Didn't even think about it. Just said, yes. The other has been just about even going to cottage or even for dinner just with another group of friends who I maybe before would have been like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable. Oh, I don't know how this experience is. Gonna... There would have been a lot of that sort of thing. But now let's see what could come out of it. Let's find out. And so it's been like, yeah, I say yes. Now there has been moments like you saying, oh, jump out of the kayak, let's see. <laughs> and I can't swim and she knows I can't swim. But for those, I've not, maybe not, but hey, you know what? Let me go out on the kayak. So that's the partial yes. So I haven't gone all crazy with the yes like this, but I have been saying yes to things so that I can, from time to time, ask myself those two questions. What have you done for self-care? And what makes you content? And I can actually come up with answers. So, so that's the power of yes. That's what's worked with me. I think that's a great and very necessary insight. And people don't realize how much they put off because of time or because mm. of fear. I already re referenced the fact that Krishlani needed some convincing. And obviously she mentioned the kayak thing, but it was so funny when she came back from her trip with our other friend, I was like, hey, how was this trip? The first words out of her mouth were, Miriam, it was like 25,000 steps a day. A day, I was just like, oh my gosh, can I keep up? But I did. 
and the other things we experienced on the trip in my family, going trail hiking, exploring nature. Nature's always thought of as dirty. Oh, nature's dirty. Oh, dirt. These are things that I've never, ever experienced. And shout out to Parks Canada. Wow. I was impressed by our national parks. So yeah, again, new experience, self-care. So I will say our group of friends is slightly bougie, high maintenance, need luxury. And so I think we've ruined the cottage experience for Krishlan, your even vacation. She can't cottage with anybody else but us. We have pre-planned menus. Good Lord. Like desserts. We're like soda stream. I know these are first world issues, but still I need, and, and I did on the recent cottage trip. I said, wow, I missed a soda stream the last time. So I actually brought my soda stream with me. And there were many comments, people looking, but. Different kind of growth. You're comfortable with who you are. Cool. And honestly, it has been a pleasure to watch Kushline. Every time we go to the cottage, every year something changes. For the longest time, I had to struggle to get this girl into a bathing suit. And finally, I, I gave her my bathing suit and she still didn't get it. I am Muslim, so I'm not supposed to be wearing a bathing suit. But I don't know what her problem is. She's not Muslim. But this year... What do you know? She was wearing a bathing suit. She still did not use it because she did not get into the water. But that's growth. And that's what everybody else sees when you start putting the effort in. They just Mm -hmm. see you. It's not about you giving more to anybody else. It's just seeing somebody say, oh, you know what? They're like just flourishing. I recognize it in myself. How I I am changing in positive ways. I think in positive ways, but that's that's enlightening to hear that other people recognize it. But like you said, most importantly, do I see that in myself, right? Yeah. And I do. And that's what's important to me and is, is that I see it in myself. When you go out seeking, you start to learn more and more. And you recently told me about this concept of post-traumatic growth. I'd love for you to tell me how that connects with your right. kind of post-parents state. I'll be honest with you, I'm still learning about this whole post-traumatic growth, PTG. I recently heard it, actually, uh, when I was listening to uh, CBC Morning. They talked about it, and I was like, hmm, what is that? I've never heard this concept. So I went and I read a bit on it. But what it talks about is when you've gone through a traumatic event, so whether it's a death in the family or the pandemic that we all struggled through in the last two and a half years, uh, especially as a single person, it's a different struggle, I think, than when you're in a household with others. And when you come out of it, what the post-traumatic growth talks about is how how you come out of these traumatic events and seek to better yourself. I'm probably butchering this concept, so I apologize for that. Like I said, I'm learning more about it. But it talks about how people look at their lives differently and say, How can I become maybe more spiritual? How can I grow in contentment? So that's what this post-traumatic growth is about. And it struck me as this is me. Because after I went through these events, and the first was the sickness that my mom had and then her passing away, there were moments of obviously succumbing to some things, but I always said, no, I want to get better. I want to grow from this. And one of the aspects at that moment that I feel I grew in was spiritually. So that was a sort of a positive growth rather than maybe becoming 
more angry about the fact that this has happened and woe is me and how unfair is this type of thing. But to look at things spiritually and say, hey, is there a reason for this? And so that's the first sort of growth I've had. But then after the pandemic, which was another traumatic event for me, because I am single and many times it was all just by myself walking around the neighborhood, getting some fresh air here, is the growth that happened from that trauma, which is I actually now want to enjoy life. I want to get more out of my life. I want to experience positive things, new things. And that's that post-traumatic growth, as I understand what that concept is that I feel that I've been experiencing. So you've gone through this post-traumatic growth. You've experienced stuff. Do you have a destination you want to get to? Or is your belief that the journey is the most important thing? Like you put it, I don't think I have a destination in mind. What I want to keep doing is just be a better self. Be a better aunt to my nephew. Oh, no, the, the nephew is definitely the better person. He's driving it everywhere. He is. He's a good, good young man. But the other thing is be a better sister. Be a better friend. Be a better colleague at work. So that's the journey I'm at, is to be a better self. And I think I'm still finding out certain things. It's like my life coach said, imagine it as an onion. And sometimes you're peeling layers. Yep. And some of those layers are not very nice. The onion has been bruised. It's fallen a couple of times. And so there are bruises. But hey, you got to explore that side as well. And then get to the core. So that's, the, I guess, the journey I'm at. So no real destination yet. And that's actually a great way to live because plans change all the time. But we all struggle mm. with because we're such a, such goal-oriented people where we've been right. taught that we need to achieve certain things by certain milestones. Yeah. I'm going to try and wrap this up soon now, but I have sure. two things that I want to ask you. Number one, what words of wisdom do you have for people in similar situations? And then I'll come to number two shortly. Words of wisdom. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't think I'm one uh, person to be giving out wisdom here. But what I would tell others is, to not put pressure on themselves that it's not happening quickly. Like you alluded to, it's a journey. And it's okay if your neighbor, your friend, your sibling, they may have achieved something in six months, three months, three weeks, but it's taking you a little longer. There is this myth out there that we all need to strive to get this quicker or be successful quicker, or get to a certain goal at the, oh, the same speed that my friend did, that my sibling did. But no, we're all different people. And that's something I would just urge people to keep in mind is it's okay. That's okay. So that that's what I would leave as my sort of quote unquote words of wisdom. <laughs> okay. And you're absolutely right about that. Everybody's on a different path, different speed. They're fulfilling different things. So they're not going to be achieving everything that you're achieving. And they're going to be achieving things that you haven't achieved. And, mm -hmm. and you've got to be comfortable with who you are and mm -hmm. where you're going. And okay, because there's no playbook that says, oh, no, you got to achieve this by this, right? Like sometimes there are certain things hopefully you do achieve by a certain time in life. But 
some of the stuff, the harder stuff, like growing as a person. Yeah, th this is things that there really is no playbook sometimes. And so it is at your pace, but keep at it. That's, I think, what's important. Agreed. So I'm going to end off with, we've probably hit on this in different ways or circled around it, but I want to ask you this now. Mm -hmm. What does contentment mean to you today? What does contentment mean to me today? And even now, I, I think I have a hard time answering that, but I can answer it in some ways. So contentment to me now is when I'm experiencing a new thing, whether it is even going for the first time ever to a national park and walking it for two and a half uh, in heat, and always being afraid of, oh my gosh, are there coyotes out here? I was content in that moment because I was thinking about it as I was doing it. And I was like, that's what's important to me. Is you're, As you're doing something, that you're thinking about it and saying, hey, these are good things in what I'm doing. So as we, as we were walking, that's where my contentment came, is in being mindful in what I was doing, which is the walking, getting fresh air, exploring a national park, which I've never done before, looking at all these trees and those waterfalls, that gave me contentment. And then also running into certain creatures. As we were, <laughs> oh, wow. And coming out of that walk, you look back and you're just like, I know if I say sometimes to my relatives, oh, what did you do on this trip? We did a lot of walking and talking. They were like, oh, good gosh. Oh, okay. What else? But to me, that was a new experience. As I was doing it, I was mindful of things around me, my surrounding, and that actually brought me content. That's what I would say now if I was asked that is, in the everyday that I'm doing, I'm trying to find, because obviously, as I'm saying yes to more things, I am finding new experiences. And in that new experiences, that's where my is. So that's how I would answer the life coach if she called me up right now and asked me that question again. I hope she gets to hear this episode, of, but it's just such a remarkable I know there were many other things she wanted me to work on. <laughs> step by step. Gosh, there was like 49 things we were we talked about, and she's only done two. Oh my goodness. I know. And there are lots of but there are lots of people who never okay. even make it past right. the start start line, right. right? But it's at my pace. And you know what? I will get to No, I'm just kidding. There weren't 49 things. <laughs> there were only a handful of things we were, but still, I will get to those as I'm getting through these two first. And as I'm doing that, I am getting to some of the other things that that I know, that I already realize in me, that I do need to make some positive changes. We'll get there in my time. I appreciate so. the self-compassion. I appreciate the energy that you've come here with and obviously the transformation. And it's so much more rewarding when right. you hear these lovely right. stories of the everyday person. We, right. we didn't go build Google but we found right. a good life and a way to right. enjoy it. And I think that is priceless. And so I thank you for coming on here and for sharing your stories well, and your humor. You. But thank you, though. You're, you made me very comfortable. Because I, as I said in the beginning, I was a little nervous coming on here, a little apprehensive. But 
you definitely, definitely put me at ease. So thank you very much for that. I hope you enjoyed listening to Krishlani as much as I did. She's a calm and quiet personality until the sarcasm and fireness comes out. And then, well, you get a hoot and a hilarious conversation. Losing two parents back to back when you're pretty much on your own can be devastating. Today, so many more of us are in that position, single and caring for our parents in their old age. And when the time comes, confronted with grief and forced to build a new purpose, a new way forward. It's amazing and an honor to look after your parents, so I applaud whoever is able to do so, single or otherwise. It's also just as important to ask for help and to build a life for yourself during and in the aftermath. That's where self-care comes in. Make time for yourself. Build a community around you. Join the gym and get active. Cook yourself an outrageously extravagant meal or have date night with those closest to you at a fancy restaurant. Talk out your feelings, conscientiously manage your responses, and plan to explore more today than you did yesterday, because you have room to grow no matter what age, what phase of life you are in. It's the simple stuff, but just keep saying yes to things. You can do it if you have an open heart, an open mind, an adventurous spirit, and an amazing support network. So be open, be brave, be connected, and be cared for. And now that you've taken a break, let's go explore. Until next time, live strong and embrace the daybreak. break.